Welcome in to another episode, the second inaugural episode of Hawkeyes and Tall Boys. I'm Rob Wall. And I'm Dylan Vaughn. And I'm Bo Freeborn. All right. Um, so today is Thursday, September 6th. And we're here, as, like I said, a special Cyhawk edition of Hawkeyes and Tall Boys, uh, the podcast where we have a couple tall boys and we talk about our favorite college football team, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, this week in particular is going to be a great week, um, and it's our rivalry rivalry re week again. So. <laughs> That's a tough word. It's a, <laughs> it's tough. a tough word there, Rob. It's tough, man. I, just taking a sip of my first beer here, uh, but... Against the Iowa State Cyclones, um, our rivals just down I-80 from us. Uh, we split the state in half, and it's a heated rivalry. Right. And, you know, uh, one thing I did want to comment uh, before we did dive too much into that as well, Rob, is um, we do really appreciate all the, you know, friends, family, uh, even strangers that have reached out and give up, given us some feedback. Um, no, for example, I know for sure I'm going to quit trying to say um and absolutely and other <laughs> hilarious words. And um, yeah, clearly I just broke that one, but you know what I say there, Bo? Yeah, no, thanks again for everything, guys. We really appreciate it. And then to those people who've reached out to us uh, either about joining on the, the show, um, one big thing that we're going to start doing is asking uh, questions for you guys to post for us on our Facebook page. So if you can give us a like on Facebook, uh, shoot us a couple of messages. Maybe we, we ask your question here. We'll answer it for you, and, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll put you on the show. You got it. Um, and then one of the other things that we're doing just to kind of further um, our podcast as we get going here, um, we're looking on to get some, into some more major platforms. Um, we're, this is obviously our, our – we're a little new to this, so we're just getting started here, but – um, we've already uh, been working out a few kinks with, um, you know, iTunes to hopefully get our podcast on the Apple platform. Um, so that way you can find a better way to listen or maybe more easier way to listen. Um, you know, if you're driving in the car or if you just are working out of the gym or uh, you're getting ready to look forward to, you know, this Saturday's matchup. So very good stuff there. Um, so we'll keep you posted on that. Um, but yeah, without further ado, definitely wanted to jump into a couple of things real quick. Um, now that we got those things out of the way, um, last week's game against NIU Northern Illinois um, really was an excellent Hawkeye win. It was definitely a tale of two halves. Um, kind of let the guys here take it away. Um, but looks like we started out with a homage to um, a legendary coaching staff. Yeah, Rob. So. Um, part of the initial, you know, home appearance of the Hawkeyes this week was involving the 1983 coaching staff. So now some of you older Hawk fans out there might remember uh, the lineage that goes on in the Hayden Fry coaching tree. And so just wanted to give a quick tribute to some of those who were in attendance this week. Um, and so obviously Hayden Fry was the head coach out at Iowa from 1979 until 1998. Um, and part of the staff that was involved here in this ceremony and on this staff was, um, you know, Bill Snyder, who is the head coach at Kansas State right now, has been out there since 89, um, other than a brief hiatus in between 05 and 09. But, and then Bill Brashier, which is the man that convinced Hayden Fry to come uh, to the University of Iowa over Old Miss and another school as well. And then, obviously, our head coach now, Kirk Ferentz, 
who's been here for now 20 years and is now the all-time winningest coach in Iowa Hawkeye football history. Shout out to Kirk Ferentz. Absolutely. Um, other than that, we have Barry Alvarez, who is athletic director out of Wisconsin now, longtime head coach there as well. Uh, Bob Stoops, who's a national champion coach at yep. Oklahoma. Bobby. Carl Jackson, who has spent 22 years as an assistant uh, running backs coach under Hayden Fry and Kirk Ferentz both. Um, and he also spent some time with 49ers. And then we had Don Patterson, who was the head coach out at Western Illinois for a few years. And then a lot of you Hawk fans, I'm sure, will remember old Dan McCarney, head coach of Iowa State in the early 2000s. Oh, man, there were some heated battles there, weren't there, Bo? Yeah, you, you tell it there. And, you know, Dan McCartney, he's a familiar face, not only with the Iowa State Cyclones, but uh, most recently he's been with North Texas. Uh, I, when he's come to Iowa City the last, I think, two meetings, uh, I think the Iowa Hawkeyes have averaged at least 50 points against North Texas. Unfortunately, he is no longer the coach there, but you know uh, we had a couple of great rivalry games with the Iowa State Cyclones as well, too, while he was there before going to North Texas. Yeah, and you know, and it's funny you say that because who was the quarterback out of uh, Iowa City High School who was the who was the quarterback out of North Texas when Dan McCartney was there most recently? Oh, gosh, what was his name? I don't know. We can look him up. Um, was that – when did he graduate? Most recently? Yeah, yeah, most recently. Um, well, we, we can just have our guy look that up, and um, we can kind of move on from there. Start no problem. Well, fellas. Yeah, why, why don't we check that out? Because that's really interesting, I think, because I know that we had our home opener last year against the North Texas. Mean Green, I believe, is their mascot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure if he graduated in 2017, but – like I said, definitely a tale of two halves. Um, you know, we started the game against NIU um, a little slow. and uh, But one of the main things I took away, especially from that first series, I mean, I really had a lot of high hopes and there really wasn't much to get excited about. There was one thing that stood out to me. We we talked about it a little bit before the show here. But how about that first throw from Nate Stanley when he, when he saw Noah Fant on the sideline? Oh, God, excellent ball there. Um, yeah, I think... To be honest, I think that was just a flat-out drop by Noah Fant right there. Yeah, absolutely. I think the I think the whole first uh, drive in general, I think the first pass or play from scrimmage was a, was an out route, a six-yard out route to uh, Brandon Smith, went right through his hands, which maybe was led a little bit, but, you know, you can understand the uh, the emotions going into the first play, first game of the year. On top of that, Noah Fant, uh, there, was a, there was a ball thrown about 30 yards in the, in the air. And one thing that we had talked about uh, before the show even, too, um, and even last week was that uh, Nate Stanley is going to work on his deep ball, and we'd heard a lot about his foot, uh, his footwork, his pocket pre- presence. Uh, overall, I thought he looked great—not just the first drive, but all over, all through uh, the first half. And I thought that ball was placed right on the money, and I think it would have been first and ten Hawks from the thirty-yard line if uh, Hawkinson could have brought that ball down, or sorry, if Noah Fant would have brought that ball down. Right, right. And that's the thing, Bo. You know, you expect to see some of those hiccups you know, out of young teams like the Hawks are. Um, however, you know, we got the veteran presence of Stanley, Font, Fant, Hawkinson. Um, you don't necessarily expect to see that, but much better have, have that happen versus NIU rather than Wisconsin in here in a few weeks. Don't yeah. you agree? Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And one big thing, too, and I apologize, Rob, for, for getting in, in, uh, in the way yeah. there, too. You know, one thing, it looked like all throughout the first half, it didn't seem like there was a whole, whole lot of pressure coming from the – from the defense of Northern Illinois, I thought that you know, with with a couple of guys rotating in, which we said was Dalton Ferguson, uh, Mark Kogenberger, and then uh, the Paulson twins, I thought that they did a phenomenal job 
stepping in, making that line a little bit tougher than uh, than what they've been used to, and uh, and basically showing that we have eight guys that are willing to play week in, week out, and can transfer in if uh, if an injury comes down. Absolutely, Bo. You stole the words right out of my mouth there. I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, you listen to Brian Ferentz during camp talk about how they can have eight guys that can go in a, a drop of a dime, and, you know, we all sit back here as fans and think, ah, yeah, that's BS. You got your five or you got your six, and legitimately had eight guys playing in there with the ones, so this isn't garbage time by any means, playing with the ones, and doing a pretty darn good job as well. Absolutely. I think the only thing that uh, that we saw maybe weaker on in the first half was the running game. I, I love Irie Kelly Martin. I love that he got the start, but I think it took him a little bit of time really to find the hole and get exposed uh, into the Northern Illinois secondary uh, until the second half when it looked like the Iowa run game maybe got a little bit stronger because I know we saw Mickey Sargent there in the first half. Maybe he didn't do as good a job as uh, we were all expecting here. Yeah, you know. Um, tell you what, I'm a big fan of this three-headed monster we're building here. Yep. You know, I think I think that Ivory Kelly Martin's kind of that best of both worlds. You know, he can put his shoulder down and be a bruiser, yet he's got the speed, he's got the agility. I wouldn't say he's got the juking or spin ability of Akron Wadley necessarily, <laughs> but, you know, that agility that nonetheless you need as a Big Ten running back. And then as far as Mecky Sargent goes, a little bit smaller guy, a little bit shiftier, a little bit quicker. Um, and then... With Torin Young, he's just a bruiser. Oh my gosh. And then, you know, we saw him, you know, especially late in the second half, take off on a few big runs where, you know, I think, Bo, you just got to credit, you know, that's Iowa football is what you saw there. You know, I completely agreed the running game wasn't where we wanted it to be in the first half. But I think it's just because that big Iowa O-line just wore them down. Yeah, absolutely. And that's to credit the offensive line there. For the play all throughout the day. And that's one thing that we've also talked about. I know last week when we were previewing the game, uh, we talked about Sutton Smith, who uh, would come in with Northern Illinois thinking that they were going to disrupt the pass, um, break up Iowa's D, uh, and, and run, I mean. And, uh, and they definitely did during the, the first half. But overall, even throughout the whole game, I don't believe that Sutton Smith was really even a, a, really a, a major factor in this game. You know, I was going to say the only play I can think of is that play where you know, Stanley stepped up in the pocket and uh, Sutton came from behind and, you know, knocked the ball up. But I think Iowa jumped on it anyways and yeah. ended up not mattering. Um, yeah, and I think they credited him, him for a sack there too. Yeah, and I mean, that's what, you know, that's when you look at, you know, Kallenberger, uh, you know, Dalton Ferguson played a little bit of LT as well. Um, and the Paulson twins, they just really shut him down. So, you know, kudos again to Brian Ferentz and that Iowa offensive line. Looking back towards... Um you know, the game as a whole, um, obviously you mentioned our three-headed monster that we're starting to build, all three sophomores um, that we're that look to get uh, a pretty good share of, um, you know, rushing attempts here that we'll be able to use on the ground. But how about the passing game? Um, you look at a couple of guys that really stood out to me, obviously our, our two tight ends, um, and then I didn't really see a whole lot, a whole lot of anybody else in the, as far as the receiving core goes. You know, you know. Obviously, we had Fent with the early touchdown, or, or I say early touchdown catch. The Hawkeyes' first offensive touchdown came in the second half this year. Don't get me started there. Um, however, but you notice T.J. Hawkinson. You know, I felt like he had a stellar game. You know, he was just kind of that security blanket all game long, where it was you know that thirteen to fourteen yard gain right over the middle. Um, yeah, I thought he did great there. Uh, as far as the receivers go specifically, you know, you saw Brandon Smith had a drop early on. Um, he was held without a catch the entire game. 
oh wow um, yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that I guess that makes sense and I and I was worried about that because he did get some a few targets I can say that I maybe were maybe a, a miscommunication between him and, and Nate Stanley um, and there was obviously the one right at the beginning where he just missed it right. um, but you know he was somebody that I really you know has the game breaking type of speed um, if we can just get him the ball in the open um, and I didn't really see that too much you know this last game yeah I think I think that's totally fair I think that's going to be a cause for concern you know going forward this season um, on the flip side you know you did see uh, Smith Marset yep you know and a few of them jailbreak screen the classic Iowa football passing play right there um, seeing him have a few catches but again not a major impact like you saw from Fanton uh, Hawkinson yeah, I agree. I agree. I think uh, I think that uh, Hawkinson kind of stole the show on the offensive side of things. Overall, I thought Nate Stanley did a phenomenal job sitting in the pocket, looked comfortable towards the second half, and I think the offensive line really got uh, really got moving here too. As far as Nick Easley, I think he also had a quiet game. I believe last year when he played um, Wyoming, that was his first game out of JUCO, uh, and he had a stellar game there to start, really to to pump start his career as an Iowa Hawkeye. Uh, I know a lot of people thought with his senior season coming in. That he may be the go-to guy, more or less like uh, Vandenberg was two years ago for um, for CJ Beathard. Right. But uh, yep. but I think we kind of saw a slow progression. One of those things where we're just kind of knocking the dust off of us, getting ready for this next game, and it's kind of a good thing, you know, not to show Iowa State anything anything big. But we're talking here uh, about Northern Illinois. You got. Um, so overall, I guess you know. Towards the second half, you look at the offense um, that we just kind of looked at and we're, you know, what we went over. But I also want to look at, you know, we talked a lot about last week, what, are, what is our linebacking core going to look like on our defense? These are, you know, three um, brand new, or well, I guess, you know, newer guys to, you know, most Hawkeye fans. and Yeah, just about brand new. Yeah, um, I think their combined between them was something like two or three starts. Yeah, it wasn't much. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe a little more than that, but no. What, definitely wasn't what do you much. think about their performance? You know, overall, I think they started started off not so hot as a unit. Um, you know, I know there were several times when I went back and watched the tape last night where you see, you know, Monty Jones, um, Christian Welch, even Nick Neiman out of position on some plays. Um, but overall, you know, you saw eventually Imani Jones got replaced by Jack Hockaday, who's been the injury-ridden senior. Um, you know, once he got replaced, gosh, they started playing pretty well. And uh, overall, I thought, you know, did a pretty darn good job and, you know, stopped them. I, yeah, I agree. I think uh, there was a couple plays in the first half we saw that there was quite a few run plays that, uh, that maybe we just didn't catch up to right away or were overshooting assignments and gaps. Uh, but overall, as far as linebacker goes, I'm really excited about Jack Hockaday. I was I was listening to a podcast the other day uh, about Imani Jones, and Coach Kirk Ferentz was kind of talking a little bit about him. You know, Hockaday is going to get the start this week uh, against Iowa State, but he said to not discredit him for anything that he had done. It, you know, it looked like on paper, you know, he was just kind of more or less like an average player, but, you know, he did bring that spark. You know, he, he came in a little bit enthusiastic, which definitely didn't hurt us by any means. Um, but we think that uh, Hockaday may be the next guy in. But as far as Imani Jones' playing time goes, he's only a junior. So, you know, with him getting this much repetition and starting then two, I think we should be uh, we should be in for a good uh, good year with him as well as Nick Neiman too. You got it. Um, so obviously, I mean, final score uh, that game, 
33-7. We really ran away with it in the second half. We scored 30 uh, straight points against an IU. And, uh, you know, towards the end there, I mean, I remember watching them, like, cycle our, our three-headed monster running backs through just ripping off runs. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and that was something that we kind of alluded to before. Um, you know, something to where we just wore them down. Um, it looked like they didn't um, – they weren't able to really keep up um, – with what we were doing, I mean, those runs, those same plays that we were running towards in the first half and maybe getting stuffed or maybe um, coming off, you know, with only a two or three yards, again, you know, a, a play there, those same runs, they're all of a sudden it's torn young down the sideline for 20 yards and, you know, finishing the runs off pretty strong. So I was happy to see that. But it was definitely a good win. Um, anything as far as special teams we we need to note from this game, guys, or – you know, really, as far as special teams goes, you know, you have Colton Raster coming in and doing that rugby-style punting again, which uh, worked out well uh, for us for the Hawks Saturday. Um, with the exception of that block punt, I thought they were pretty good. What do you think, Bo? Yeah, you know, I think it was just a misassignment. You know, uh, it looked like there was just a guy coming in right off the right side. Um, didn't even see him and uh, just unfortunately got blocked. But I agree with you completely, you know. I think that plays to Rastatter's uh, ability there, too, to do the rugby style. I think we saw, even on the safety play in the second half, that uh, Rastatter pinned him down on the two-yard line, which definitely yeah. helped our defense. And then multiple times, I think he had a couple 50-plus yard punts that rolled, ended up rolling into uh, into Northern Illinois territory, which I thought was a phenomenal job punting-wise. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that was actually the drive that ended in a Hawkeye safety, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And honestly, I mean, it's funny, you know, because I think maybe he had something a little bit left to prove. Well, I don't want to take, uh, you know, all our time here today to talk, to, to talk punters, but I will tell you with, uh, you know, coming off of the first punt of the year, getting blocked, um, he really had a heck of a comeback performance in the second half of the, the punts that he did do. Well, oh, absolutely. And then, <laughs> and then following, following last year's performance too, I think this is definitely a, a, a better year for him so far too. So, Oh, absolutely. Um, so, um, I want to just get into. I want to get into just some overall thoughts. Okay, so we had uh, last week we previewed NIU. Um, pretty happy about the game and the way it went. Um, took us a little bit to settle down, but but it looks like we caught our groove. Um, worked out a lot of the kinks, um, which is you know something that I don't think obviously our rivals Iowa State were able to do due to them being rained out uh, this past week. Um, but it also means it's a little bit tougher maybe for us to prepare for. Um, being that we don't we don't know you know what exactly they may have in store and it may be a little bit tougher to to game plan for. Um, so just to before we get into the Iowa State there, I do want to hit up a, a a segment here that we like to call good vibes, bad vibes. Um, and so I want to just talk about if you were to pick one thing, um, we're going to go around and say. One thing that gave you good vibes about this week's Hawkeye game, and then one thing that you're a little bit concerned about that maybe gave you some heebie-jeebies. Bo, you want to kick us off? Yeah, I will. I think uh, I think some good vibes here. I 100% think that the defense gave me some great vibes. I mean, we saw a decent Northern Illinois team who came into last year. Last year being Nebraska. Again, Nebraska wasn't a great team, but for a small MAC team like them beating a, uh, a Big Ten team, they had a lot of high hopes coming into the season, a lot of high spirits, and I definitely think they're going to be a great team in the MAC this year. So, with the defense only holding them to three points, I thought they did a spectacular job, and that's my high hopes coming into the rest of the season, especially the Cy Hawk game. As far as bad vibes, 
Um, I thought the slow start by the offense. I think the running game is kind of kind of the biggest bad vibe for me right now. I don't think it's going to be a big issue going into Iowa State week, but uh, that's something that I think that we can definitely improve on, and I think it's going to be something that uh, that we can we're going to see a lot of improvements coming here the next couple weeks. Yeah, you know, and it'd be hard to make an argument with either one of those. Um, I went a little bit different with my good vibes, good vibes, bad vibes. That's <laughs> all right. And hey, so cut us a break. We're having some beers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as far as my good vibes go, I think just that four-headed monster. Yeah, we talk about the three-headed monster at running back. I think we have a four-headed monster at tight end. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. that's You know, you look at guys. I think we have the Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, Nate Weeding, yep. and Sean Beyer out there. And they all played pretty much the entire – or not the entire game. But, you know, you had Sean Beyer and uh, Nate Weeding come in there at the end, and the Hawks just didn't miss a step on that number one D out of northern Illinois. Um, as far as my bad vibes go – I uh, hate to be a buzzkill here, but I got to say that linebacking core, you know, I was really disappointed early on in, um, you know, the play, particularly in the middle linebacker spot. I think that's going to get a heck of a lot better from week to week. You know, you have uh, Coach Ferentz and the guys. I think they'll be just fine. Um, but that would be one thing I'm worried about, especially coming up against a solid running back in David Montgomery and the Iowa State Cyclones. So. Absolutely. Um, and I just realized that I said absolutely, um, which is that's one of the things we're working on trying not to do. Um, but what I can say, I mean, I definitely agree with you there, Dale, um, as far as your concerns with the linebacking core. Um, for my good vibes, I'm going to say um, the Iowa Hawkeye offensive line as a unit. Um, now, obviously, we talked about, hey, Nebraska with the uh, their whole offensive line, um, as, a pre- as All-Americans for the preseason, I think, that we talked about last week. But... I mean, how about that Iowa Hawk? That was one of our concerns going into the week one. Um, you know, having some newer fellas mix it up. And it looks like, obviously, uh, a lot of people in and out there by committee, but really opened up some holes for the for the running backs in the second half. I thought they did a pretty good job protecting, protecting Nate Stanley um, throughout the game. I didn't see a lot of times where he was running for his life. He had a lot of time to look. Um, through his and read and go through his progression, so that was a good good vibes for me. So hopefully we can keep that up against the Iowa State Cyclones um, this week. And then bad vibes. Um, what I thought was a little bit shaky is I would have liked to see a lot more um, from our receivers. Um, and I don't know if it was just a situation where it came down to route running or it came down to just not um, not being there or, or what they had called wasn't there and open. So where they because it looks like from the receiving. Our tight ends really stood out as far as having the most receptions. Um, and so, you know, maybe it would be nice to see um, some of those guys, Brandon Smith, um, you know, Smith-Marset, and uh, to kind of get, get involved a little bit more in the offense. Um, so hopefully we'll see um, what they have in store next week. All right, so that was good vibes, bad vibes. We're going to jump right into um, a little bit of news before we hit Iowa State, um, the Iowa State preview here. Um, just college football in general, the landscape, we do have a few teams that snuck into the top 25 Yeah, for the yeah. Big Ten. And right now, uh, we're looking at five Big Ten teams. Uh, number four, Ohio State. Number six, Wisconsin. And uh, Penn State round out. Uh, they're the number 10 team in the conference and the nation. They are the top three teams in the in the Big Ten right now. As far as, as, far as things go overall, I know Michigan State is still number 13 about uh, – after almost uh, losing to a nobody team this last week. And then also Michigan rounding out the top uh, 25 at number 22. Guys, what are your thoughts on five Big Ten schools 
uh, being in the top 25? And also, what are your thoughts on their placements so far right now in the top 25? Ah, it's early. You know, I think I think more than five teams are in the top 25, you know, from the Big Ten anyways. But, you know, it's one of those things. I don't like to get too worked up about it early on. You know, I think the, right. car- the cards will fall how they do. And, you know, we, we'll let the AP... You know, go gaga all over the SEC like they do every year. And, you know, we can just kind of go from there and let the cards lie how they will. I agree. I think the other thing, too, that you got to keep in mind, you know, we're going to end up – these teams are going to play each other uh, pretty quickly here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some big games that are going to be going down this, this Saturday um, that will kind of shake up the, the top 25. Um, you know, I don't know when the last time – you know, I guess what we had as far as Big Ten teams that are ranked in the top 25 that finish in the top 25. Um, you know, so that would be something that we could look at as far as the stat- statistic goes. But, I mean, Penn State, it's always tough. Ohio State, it's tough. Um, Penn State, though, did not look that good this year, uh, this last week. No. Um, you know, having to go into overtime against Appalachian State. Now, Appalachian State's one of those teams like North Dakota State where they're just looking to knock somebody off. Oh, Absolutely. Well, you guys remember Appalachian State knocking off Michigan. What was that? I think it was like 11 years to the day or yeah, something like yeah. that. Yep. yep. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That's that almost a doom. It's a doom for Big Ten teams or even just big-time uh, contending teams to, to put uh, Appalachian State on their schedule even because they are so competitive and they have that chip on their shoulder even too. Oh, it's a lose-lose situation, you know, and you could probably argue the same thing with Northern Illinois, North Dakota State, uh, really all those teams that – you know, I mean, where where's the benefit in us playing them? You know, we're we're paying them to come in, and they can come in and beat us. And you know, that's one of those things we could talk about for days. I just think it's a lose lose situation for you know the Hawkeyes in general, being that they lost to North Dakota State just a few years back. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Michigan State even had trouble with uh, Utah State even this last week. I believe it went down to the last uh, last two minutes, and they were only only up thirty eight thirty one, which the score ended, but. Uh, Utah State at one time in that game was leading for uh, for a little while too, and they gave Michigan State a run for, run for the money. So I think there's a lot of teams in the Big Ten this year that are going to be uh, surprised by the end by the end of the year. We may be even surprised by how the top 25 looks, just depending on strength of schedule and uh, and kind of like Rob said, how these how these teams play against each other. Absolutely. And 100. percent One thing I'm going to say to you is obviously you know it is early, like Dill said. Um, and we will keep you posted on how the Big Ten finishes and any big, um, you know, shakeups as far as that goes um, week by week. But right now, it's good to see five teams from the Big Ten in the top 25 just to um, kind of show the AP there that, hey, I mean, the Big Ten is a uh, legitimate conference out here. You know, obviously, I don't think anyone's discounting us, but I don't think that the SEC is that far ahead of anybody else when it, in, in terms of competition. Yeah, not at all. Um yeah, honestly, I think five Big Ten teams being in there is a little bit light. Yeah. So, and there are some teams that could surprise some people. Surprise some people. I did see an Illinois team this weekend that came out with a pretty big win, and um, and they did look pretty good. I mean, yeah. and we're talking about an. I'm from Illinois. Rob's um, from Illinois, and I'm and I know that Illinois teams are not very good. I've never really been a, a huge fan of, of the U of I. Um, 
the other U of I. <laughs> the, the fake U of I. Elaborate. Thank you. You know, one big thing before we get off this topic, too, and, and I don't want to run this too long, too, but, you know, a, a good Maryland team beat uh, beat Texas this year. I know a lot of people think that uh, that Maryland is going to be a, a bottom-level team in the Big Ten. They could surprise a lot of people here. That's my last take there. Perfect. I, I love it. Um, we're going to move on. We're going to jump right into what the this episode is going to be pretty much focused on here. Obviously, the Iowa State-Iowa game this Saturday. Guys, when's kickoff for this game? So kickoff's going to be at 4.05 Central Time here in Kinnick Stadium. Beautiful Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City, Iowa. Uh, the date will be September 8th. And if you guys can believe it, the tickets are sold out as of right now. Oh, man. Yeah, that sounds like plenty of tailgating time for me. So that I don't sounds mind like, that whatsoever. That sounds like a, a situation where you, where, you, where you bring some cash on you and you go down and tailgate and you see if you can grab a ticket last second off of somebody. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and let's just kind of talk here real quick about this game last year. Ended up in a uh, an overtime battle, 44-41 Iowa. And let's just talk about this. Nate Stanley was his second career start. He uh, he threw how many touchdowns? I think he threw five touchdowns. Yep. Uh, had twenty seven completions, forty one attempts. Phenomenal there for a total of uh, three hundred thirty three yards last year. I think that's a, that's a great way to start the segment here. Looking back at last year's win and then going forward to uh, hopefully an Iowa Hawkeye win this year. Absolutely. Um, Nate Stanley obviously making a second career start against Iowa State last year and came out with a heck of a win. He had that memorable play that we talked about last week where we had a guy hanging on him, um, you know, on his on his feet, kind of trapping him as he threw the ball, um, you know, for a touchdown in the end zone there. Um, now he's coming into this game with 14 career starts under his belt. Um, and to be honest with you, it's really tough to kind of look at Iowa State's depth chart and, and see, um, you know, they are returning a lot of the same players as they were last year. I, I was looking around for some new faces, new names, and didn't really see a whole lot. So, I mean, that could be cause for concern for the Hawkeyes. Yeah, I think the uh, the two main guys, on, as far as offense goes, uh, they're coming back for Iowa State. It's going to be quarterback Kyle Kemp. I believe this is his sixth year. As I'm a pretty sure it's his 13th year of eligibility <laughs> that he is using up with the NCAA. So, uh, <laughs> you know, sorry to Drew Ott. I believe Dylan said that last week, but sorry to Drew Ott there. Uh, but Kyle Kemp, six-year quarterback, um, phenomenal player. Uh, I know last year, being an Iowa Iowa fan, you gotta you got to respect – what Kyle Kemp did to that that Iowa State team the second uh, the second half of the year, I believe we saw Jacob Park last year, correct? Yeah, that's right. And he's taking Jacob he took Park. a leave, huh? Oh my gosh, where is Jacob Park now? I bet he's on a Harley. Probably <laughs> probably still somewhere at Sturgis from a few months back. Probably just still hanging out. I have no idea where that guy is. Unfortunately, I think he had some uh, some depression issues here too. I believe he had a kid while he was uh, playing football, but. Oh, way to kill the vibe there, Bo. Yeah, apologize about that. <laughs> apologize about that. But uh, but Kyle Kemp really getting his uh, his true uh, full season start this year, and uh, we know he's going to come out with a bang. As far as that goes, uh, staying on the uh, offensive side, we know that David Montgomery is going to be a workhorse for the Iowa State Cyclones. Still, see, and that's the thing, you know, with our young linebacking court, he is just going to cause issues, and so I'm trying to figure out exactly what it is that we're going to have to do. Um, no, sure. Thankfully, I don't make the big bucks that our coaching staff does, who's been dissecting the film all week versus me just dissecting it quick over a beer at my dinner table last night. So, um, you know, I think we're going to need to see a heck of a game out of Imani Jones, Nick Neiman, Nick yep. Neiman and Christian Welch. Um, and I think we're going to need a big game out of our safeties as well to stop that running game. Yep. Um, obviously, Jack Hockaday uh, will be in the mix there for our linebackers. Um, David Montgomery, 5'11", 216. Um, and... 
he, uh, you know, we really didn't get to see a lot of him this last week. Uh, and we alluded to this earlier, but obviously, if you weren't tuning in, Iowa State, um, their game was actually canceled um, due to the weather that they were having. We've almost seems like we've had a week of just straight tornado warnings throughout Iowa, uh, especially in our area here. Cyclone warnings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so I think that actually, you know, could – could be. I, mean, I guess I'll, I'll pose this question to you guys. Do you think that that is actually a, a positive thing in, for the Hawkeyes or actually viewed as a negative? Um, because, you know, it, not being able to have the, uh, the, the film to go over to be able to game plan accordingly versus, you know, maybe they're going to have to work out some kinks. Much like you just said, Rob, and to totally sure. dodge, dodge your question, it's both. You know, know, I think the big part where, you know, it's a positive for Hawk fans is that, especially for the Hawkeyes, is that they don't have that game to knock off the rust and, you know, work out the kinks, whereas, you know, the Iowa's linebacking core, the receivers, their offensive line, D-line, they got to work out those kinks. Yep. Um, You know, now where I think it's a negative is just like you said, it's from that game preparation standpoint, you know, I would have loved to see a little bit more film on that three three five the Iowa State defense runs. You know, I would have loved to see some film on, you know, what Iowa State's offensively planning this year. You know, not that they would have shown it all anyways versus South Dakota State, but it would have been nice to see. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, too, that uh, I agree completely with you, too, Dylan. Um, I think that it's, uh, it's a positive for the Hawks that, uh, that Iowa State hasn't knocked that rust off or got those kinks. And then as far as Iowa State goes, too, I think it's a negative for those guys. Uh, to just not getting those pregame jitters. I believe they only had seven minutes of play uh, before scoring their first touchdown and then getting canceled uh, for rain, too. So, you know, gave gave their offense a little bit of a spark. Uh, only a few plays on defense there, too. But they truly don't know their identity. So I think that plays into Iowa's favor um, there as well, too. And then I think, you know, with the Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, as far as film goes, I think, I think you can watch as much film as you can from the last few games last year because there's quite a few returning starters on offense uh, as far as defense goes uh, they're not returning a whole whole lot on defense but uh, but you got to be careful with a couple of defensive linemen uh, and uh, and uh, Jaquan Bailey and uh, Ray Lima and then their all-time linebacker Marcel Spears who had over 100 tackles and uh, and a touchdown uh, last year for those guys too I believe I was talking with uh, a couple of Iowa State fans as well too they have a brand new have a brand new guy coming in at safety, um, and his name is Greg Aysworth, and he's taking over uh, Cotton Moya's spot, which they believe he could be potentially an even better and more athletic uh, uh, safety for those guys. Right, yeah, Juco transfer as well, Bo. Um, but just, you know, kind of commenting on that as well, you know, you look at guys, you know, on that ISU defense, specifically those cornerbacks. Those cornerbacks, PV and Payne, they combined for 54 career starts. You know, that's just experience that you can't match. And then you look at our relatively inexperienced wide receiving crew, and, uh, you know, they're going to cause havoc for us all night. Yep. Um, go ahead. Yeah, and I think, too, you know, with the inexperienced linebacker um, from those guys over at uh, at Iowa State, you know, they have Marcel Spears and uh, Willie Harvey who do come back together, but they have a, a, a middle linebacker. They're trying to re- replace Joel Lanning. Um, and that's uh, this is a, a freshman even, a 6'3", 228-pound freshman, who beat out a junior and another freshman, Mike Rose, 
who's uh, who's got a lot of uh, big big shoes to fill here too. So I think that our tight ends can fill a lot of uh, fill a lot of gaps with those guys too, which could wreak havoc with the secondary for Ohio State. Oh, absolutely. And then um, yeah, just kind of going back to the offense though too. You know, when it comes to those starts, you got that David Montgomery, seventeen career starts. Julian Good Jones, twenty four career starts. Um, and then Jones and Butler, those come wide receivers returning as well. You know, I think you know, that Iowa State offense, it's going to be pretty good. Yeah. You know, it's going to take a full team defensive effort to really shut it down like I think we need to. So Absolutely. And this is a team, too, that went 8-5 and five last year. Only 5-4 and four in the Big 12, but they showed out against a couple of big teams. Uh, their big wins, obviously, against Oklahoma, which was huge, TCU and Memphis. And then we're Liberty Bowl champs uh, as well, too. And so, you know, this is a team that's got some experience that will that'll play really well. But then again, we go back to the factor of, you know, what kind of experience do they have? They truly don't know their identity. What is this game going to be like for us? Right. And that's a great question to kind of segue into. Um, you know, what I want to cover next is um, what does this game really entail? Are we going to be able to um, pull out, you know, a win? I'm going to, you know, I kind of want to transition here into some predictions for us. Um you know, Dill, what do you think this, what, who's going to, what is the X factor, I guess, would you consider in this matchup between Iowa and Iowa State? You know, I think the X, X factor is going to be Kinnick Stadium. And, you know, the just under 70,000 after the recent renovations, uh, just under 70,000 fans. You know, I, I think Iowa is going to take this game. I, I think it's going to be close. I think Iowa State holds tough and... Um, but I, I think Iowa gets this game, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be a close one, say 21-17. I love that pick. I love that pick. And I think one thing, too, not only with Kinnick Stadium, too, um, I think the big key player here has to be the Iowa defense. Now, we're talking about a Big 12 offense. The Big 12 offenses are known to score multiple points. That's why we saw a 44-41 game last year. Then too. The defense has to be sharp. I know last week a lot of our corners and safeties didn't get tested because of the front pressure of the Iowa defensive line. I think if we do that again this week, um, this could be something big to where it could be a low-scoring game. And just like every other Iowa-Iowa State game, it's going to be a close game, going to be a close-scoring game. Just depends on how Iowa's offense shows up in the first and the second half, not just the second half this week. I'm going to go 35-31. Uh, to 31. The Hawkeyes are going to win. I know it's going to be a shootout, but I think the Iowa defense shows up here in the first half to limit the Iowa State Cyclones uh, to a lower-scoring uh, battle here. I love that pick, Bo. Um, and it, for me, I guess you know when I look at the game, I gotta, I have to go with Dill here. I do agree. I think that uh, Kinnick Stadium is going to be a huge X factor in the game. Um, we're talking about an Iowa State team who, you know, didn't get a chance to play. They got, it's basically they got their hopes up for nothing. Um, go home with uh, a canceled game. Um, they go back into another week of practice, and now they're coming straight into like a deer in headlights situation that at Kinnick Stadium is, is kind of what I'm hoping for. Um, so my prediction for the game, I'm looking at um, kind of a lower scoring affair, I believe. I think that uh, I hopefully, are, you know, I'm looking forward to our defense kind of getting it together a little bit better. Um, and so I'm looking at a, a score of 25-23 Hawkeyes um, would be my prediction uh, for the upcoming game. Um, we also, not just... Us here at Hawkeyes and Tall Boys, uh, we kind of wanted to open it up to you know our listeners here. So that's a good transition here to our next segment, which is new to us, is the mailbag. 
So these questions are going to be all user-submitted from the listeners that we have um, from our Facebook page. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to soon kind of set up a, a better way to do this. But we do have a couple of listener-related questions that we'd like to get into. Um, it looks like um, the first kind of question that I would like to check out um, comes to us from a listener, Connor Morgan, here in, from Cedar Rapids. Um, and his question, and I'm going to pose this to you guys, um, and kind of get your thoughts, but who, let me see here. Get in, give me one second here, guys, while I'm waiting on our computer. Um, but his question he had here was, you know, wh- what would you rather take a one win season for the Hawkeyes where we beat Iowa State? Or an undefeated eleven and one season, where we lose to Iowa State, and I'll I'll kind of give it up. Bo, what do you think about that? You know, I I think the the importance of the rivalry with Iowa State is definitely definitely important um, to every Iowa State or Iowa and Iowa State fan there too. I think that uh, to discredit a team, um, you can't just say that you know if you have one loss to Iowa State. You can't say that Iowa's had a, an untremendous season. And I also think that Iowa State this year is poised to be a phenomenal team. So, Connor, this is a phenomenal question here, too. I think that I would still take the 11-1 season. Um, that means that we have big wins against Wisconsin, who right now is in the top 10 of the AP pool. Uh, we also beat Penn State, who is also number 10 right here, as far as we know right now in the top 10 pool. Um, and then also beating a number of great Big Ten rivals, too. So I think even though losing to Iowa State would probably hurt my heart here, I think that being 11-1 um, going into the postseason, potentially even a, a playoff berth, I think I would rather take that than uh, than having the one win against Iowa State fans and losing all 11 games. I love all my Iowa State fans. I know they give me a bunch of crap, but I think that I would sleep another day knowing that uh, – that we're in the college football playoffs rather than uh, watching Iowa State play in like a Liberty Bowl. Yeah, I would absolutely have to agree with you there. Um, as much as it would pain me to watch our beloved Iowa Hawkeyes take a loss to the Cyclones, um, and we got a beer down. <laughs> um, you know, I would hate to see um, a season to where our only win was against the Cyclones. Um, so I would have to go 11-1 and one as well. Um, you know, because that would mean, you know, undefeated in Big Ten um, and hopefully looking at, um, you know, high ups for a, a post game there. Dilly, any any comments here on, on our question here from user Connor Morgan? You know, it seems so obvious, Rob. Uh, growing up where I did here in the state of Iowa, you know, there's some there's that's a deep, deep rivalry. There's some. You know, for lack of a better word, there's some hatred there back and forth. And, you know, I think for the most part it's pretty lighthearted and that sort of thing. But, you know, you remember those years you lose to Iowa State. And, oh, gosh. So, you know, if you want to play devil's advocate that way, I suppose you can. But, you know, at the end of the day, you think about back in 2002 when, you know, Iowa went down to Iowa State, ended up regular season at 11-2 and and played in the Orange Bowl and, you know, got killed by USC. You know, I think about it like that. What loss do I remember? You know, I don't remember Carson Palmer taking our Hawkeyes to the woodshed. You know, I remember losing to Iowa State and, yeah, gosh. Yeah. That, that still eats at me. 
No, so I'd still, I'd still rather go eleven and one. Don't get me wrong. You kind of scared me. There I could, I could but. literally see the emotions. But I hate it <laughs> coming from Dill um, during that answer. I loved it. Okay, next question we got, and this is the last question. We're just gonna have time to get to um, listener Michael Kramer, I yep. believe. Yep. So Mike Kramer is actually a buddy of mine from uh, that attended the University of Lames. Just kidding, Iowa State University. Um, great guy. He's actually. Uh, does some contracting with uh, ESPN, Big Ten Network. He's one of the camera guys. So uh, he spent a lot of time with us during my time at Iowa, uh, staying the night staying the night at our place, partying his butt off, and then making it back there on four hours of sleep to go carry a cord behind a cameraman all day. Perfect. Um, yeah, man. So Love it. So special friend of the show, Michael Kramer, has a question that he poses for us, and I love it. It's... Would you rather, um, so I'll, I'll, I'll present this to you guys. Would you rather have Kirk Ferentz or Matt Campbell as a head coach of the Hawks? Yeah, I'll take it away here too. Um, you know, I, I got to say Matt Campbell's doing a phenomenal job here at Iowa State. I think he's built a great culture. He's brought in a lot of great guys who are bought into his system. And, and after looking at his uh, his resume right now, I don't know why you wouldn't want to go uh, play for him right now, too. He's got he's a f- tremendous coach um, as well, and he's bringing back the Iowa State squad, which Dylan and I even had a, a, had a uh, talk about this earlier. He may be potentially Iowa State's ne- or Ohio State's next football coach, but you know, and this is maybe just me being an Iowa Hawkeye fan. I gotta think that Kirk Ferentz is the guy I want to play with. You look at his tenure; he's had twenty great seasons, one hundred and forty four career college wins. Somebody who bleeds black and gold to the book, donates a lot of money to uh, the Iowa Hospital, Children's Hospital, a family man, and somebody that I would also even look up to. This guy's got credentials out the ass. He's got a fam- familiar faces. Everybody on his uh, on his staff, you know, has been surrounded in that black and gold swarm. I have to go with Kirk Ferentz uh, because of the old time style and football football style that he has uh, shown over the last twenty years. And you got to take it easy there, Bo, because one of the reasons we were flagged on this podcast was due to profanity somehow. <laughs> so, and um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think we really cuss that much, but yeah, you know, we we let them slip out when we're talking about Nebraska. But <laughs> who who in the heck doesn't? Oh my gosh! <laughs> okay. Sorry about it. Anyways, Kramer. what's your take on the on this bill? Um, when you got either Matt Campbell or Kirk Ferentz, would you rather? Yeah, cram train. Back to your question, bud. Sorry about the rant there, but. Really, you know, and this might sound a little Hawkeye homerism-y, but, you know, I have to go with Kirk Ferentz as well, and it's mainly just because of that 10-year piece. Now, I get it with Matt Campbell. He's the young gun. You know, he's resurrecting that Iowa State football program, and I, and I love that, you know, especially after, you know, listening to the BS that Paul Rhodes spewed for years and, you know, get gets everybody all riled up to go 3-8, and eight, you know, 2-9, and nine. <laughs> And it's like, and I, I can only imagine how old that got for Iowa State fans. What was Iowa State last year? Six and five? Eight no, and five. Eight and five. Eight and five. Five yeah. and four of the conference. Five yep. and four. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, so Matt Campbell's definitely turning things around there. And, you know, and I, I know I'm a big, big into recruiting, and he's definitely turning things out around on the recruiting front out there as well. So, um, you know, bit, bit, definitely a big fan of what he's doing as much as I can be a fan of anything ISU. Uh, but I, I have to go with Kirk Ferentz. You know, I think, you know, that's just, that's just what I've grown up knowing. You know, everything I know about Iowa football is 
Kirk Ferentz, you know, I, I equate this to, you know, kids that grew up with Brett Favre as their quarterback. And then, you know, Matt Campbell would be all of a sudden like Aaron Rodgers taking over. It's like <laughs> you just didn't, wouldn't know what to do with yourself. I mean, I'm sure it would work out, and I'm sure I would be just fine with it long term. But, you know, I think I'd rather, you know, stick out Brett Favre for some of his old years and watch him take on the Saints and about break himself. So, I love that answer. Um, I'm also going to chime in here on this question because I like it so much. Um, but I'll tell you, for me – what it comes down to is past performance equals future performance. Um, And for me, I just need to see more out of Matt Campbell. I need to see his ability to take this team and turn it around. Um, Kirk Ferentz has been doing it for 20, this is his 20th season. So, and he's currently the the winningest coach in Iowa history, you know, so no big deal. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's been around for a while. He's done it time and time again. Um, and, you know, although, you know, maybe I think one of the things that I would really want to see more out of Kirk Ferentz is take it to the next level um, of eliteness. Obviously, I mean, Iowa has always been sort of in the running, but I'd like to be one of the one of the teams who's like parental excuse me, perennially in the top 25 preseason type thing. I think we need to take, be able to take that next step. Um, You know, it's kind of, I feel like we're a little bit above average, sort of stagnant. Um, But with Matt Campbell, I mean, I just need to see a little bit more. Um, So I guess we'll keep an eye on that and see how those Hawk, uh, you know, the Cyclones do towards the end of the season. But um, that's really all the time we got. We're kind of, we're running a little long here, but um, this is the, um, that was the mailbag section of our show. And so, what one thing I did want to comment on too is our predictions from last week. Oh yes, and so I'm glad you brought oh, that up. So final score last week, as we all know, 33 Iowa, uh, seven three, 33 no, 33 seven. Yeah, yeah, they scored a touchdown. It's the final yep, score. You're correct. You're correct. Um, and so we had Bo Freeborn thinking 30 21 Scots. Um, I was thinking the blowout 41 14 Iowa. And then Rob Wall, our winner for last week, guessed thirty-two to ten. So he was a total of four points away. Four oh, points away. Yeah, four total. Points away. Four total points away. Yep. So, well, so I mean, congrats to you, Rob. Do you want a medal? Um, no, we're just gonna keep track throughout the season and uh, see who's the most accurate. <laughs> um, so we got our predictions in for this week. Make sure you turn in, uh, tune in uh, to the Iowa Iowa State game, um, and that. Kickoff time is 4, 4 o'clock on Saturday. 4 o'clock 4 5, and as always, Hawk fans and I suppose even Iowa State fans, we got to have somebody to give the Keystone light to. So uh, feel free to stop by Melrose Court. Uh, you'll see me and some others tailgating away, and I'm sure Mr. Freeborn and Mr. Wall will be stopping by as well. Absolutely, and thanks again for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate it. Any, any comments at all or any questions at all, please reach out to us. We love, love the customer interaction here. Soon we'll be able to be on, like I said, I, I, uh, an Apple po- uh, platform, and so that we'll be able to subscribe. Only um, if we quit cussing. So we will work on what we need to do, and thank you for listening to another episode of Hawkeyes and Tallboys, and we're going to let the marching band take us out here. Go Hawks!